the fast officially ended Tuesday midnight, and I'm just, I know a couple of people shared last week, but I just wonder if anyone has had a particular breakthrough, revelation, word, anything that they know is in consequence of fasting. Is any, anybody would like to share? No? That's really funny how people say to me on the side, actually, since the fast this has happened, and when I give them an opportunity, they're all chicken. Really? That's unreal. What? Really? Hold on. We've got a mic. Well, if it's uplifting and encouraging and that's why we should fast, that's what okay. I want. Okay. This is pretty random. But I actually Googled um, breakthrough yeah. was the word. And it came up that there's a movie coming out, a Christian-based movie called Breakthrough. And I looked at it. It's about the middle of the year. And I just got the idea that we would try and book a theatre and advertise it and do it as another fundraiser for Jess Corden in Africa. So that's random, but Breakthrough led to me that, finding out about that movie. That's really good. It's yeah, not so. at all what I was looking for, but yes, <laughs> you're know, right. I know, but we're a family and these things happen. And <laughs> I've never burned a roast, Andrew. Wait, wait, behind you, and they're here. This could be some emotional and exciting, yeah. As you know, my journey with my all the immigration and the stuff here. And when I started uh, fasting, and I decided that I have to spend my time with my God and get that in- intimacy with Him rather than going with all the answers. As we're seeing this morning, searching for many answers, going through all the systems and organizations and people and my own qualification all must go on through because my foundation is in Christ. So when I know that one and God is with me and he has opened a door for my job opportunity where I'm waiting for nearly six months. I was unemployed for six months as an international people here. Um, It was a really hard journey. But God is faithful and his promises are still enough. Yes, they are. And he's still enough and he's making a way for me. Amen. And I believe that and is and it's very soon. And that's what I uh, that's the breakthrough that I got while I was doing my fasting here. Yeah, come on. And uh, I make myself strengthen in his perfect love and his in his promises, not in man's will or not yeah. man's promises anymore. And I came to know that um, it's an opening uh, opportunity for my job, uh, just doing uh, within the Ballarat after I left um, IBM because of my visa restrictions. And the project has over there. So when I prayed, God has opened a door for me. And I'm looking forward that he will bring me, uh, take me into higher levels where I need to be. And it's a starting point and it's a very fresh journey or fresh anointing. That's what I feel. And That's what fasting does. Yeah, and also I've been through the English exam again, and um, how'd you go? Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my visa is now active, and my application is going forward. That's what I believe now, and I still need to go and try, give a try for another session to get 
extra points for eight because I stay in regional Ballarat and I studied here and lived here and also have the couple of uh, Australian uh, experience. So uh, I may get uh, another extra 10 points which will help my visa. So for that sake, I have to go through the exam again. But still this time I believe that it would be more. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep fasting. Keep yeah. praying. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, whoever are praying for me, and thank you so much. Thank you. Anyone else like to share? Well, I have an awesome testimony. Um, so a couple of weeks ago when I was in Brisbane and my dad passed away, so my brother and I had to go to Centrelink. Um, he passed away on the Saturday and we had to go to Centrelink on the Monday because when someone who's on the pension passes away... Apparently the government have a bereavement pavement that helps pay for a funeral or a cremation. So my brother was quite anxious about this. And so on Monday we went to Centrelink and I just prayed the whole time. The whole time we were in there I was just praying. And so we sat with Centrelink and they said, no, you're not a spouse. There's no bereavement payment. Um, no, you're entitled to nothing. We're not, we can't give you any money. And my brother was saying, well, how are we going to pay for the funeral? And they go, well, we don't know. That's not our problem. We can't help you. And so I just prayed the whole time. And we came out of Centrelink. And my brother goes, I knew it. Oh, I just knew it. I knew it. I go, well, Ben, I was praying the whole time. So if something happens, it's God. Anyway, he checked his Centrelink account an hour later. And Centrelink deposited $4,600 in his account. And I go, well, you know what, Ben? I go, that's a miracle. Come that's on. the hand of God. You weren't entitled to it. They told us there was nothing that they could do. And then there was $4,600. So how good is God? Yep. He just makes a way where there is no way all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen. That's cool. Amen. Awesome. God will do stuff at the last minute that often seems like a coincidence. And in life we can often just say, well, that's a coincidence that we, it, this has happened now. Um, but it's, never, it's just never a coincidence. It just never is. And when things happen in the middle of a fast or at the end of a fast, to even think it's coincidence, you're almost doing God a disservice, an injustice, because he just moves in ways. Even this week as a church, uh, we've been praying for our finances here and some outstanding debts or bills that we've got. And I've shared with a couple of people, but um, just as we started the fast, I was having a conversation with um, uh, another church. We are just chatting how things were travelling, and that was pretty much the end of it. Um, a week after that, so now we're a week into the fast, if that, um, he came along and he just said, look, I, we actually feel as a church that we want to help you guys and we want to we pay some of your debt. We've been looking, we've got this extra money, we've been looking to see who we can help um, and we feel as though you're the church that we want to help. And I, I was like, well, that's great, thank you very much. Let me pray about it. It's really humbling when someone wants to pay your bills. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been there. Like, it, it's a blessing, but it's really humbling, <laughs> right? So I sat on it. I completely and utterly sat on it. Just I think about it occasionally. Couldn't bring myself to speak to him. We, we finished the fast Tuesday night. Wednesday, Wednesday morning, something came through via email and it was like, I just feel like I keep being humbled here. I really need to call this person. So I rang him and I just said, look, something's come up and I'm just wondering if you're, you, know, you still feel prayerful that we're the church that you want to help. And these were his words. I'll just share this because you need to know this happened at the end of the fast and during the fast. And his words were this. He goes, Andrew, I'm just so glad that you had the courage 
to call. We've just been praying because we, we wanted to help you guys. We still feel led to help you. I'm just glad that you had the courage to ring and to ask. So then we started speaking, and I just talked about a couple of things that we, we could use help with. And he goes, no problem. He goes, we'll do that. We'll do that today. He sends me a text message after the phone call within five minutes. And he said, by the way, if there's anything that you were too embarrassed or ashamed or frightened to ask me for, just put it there. So I did. <laughs> um, by Friday morning, he, their church had deposited a significant amount of money just to pay some stuff, you know, breathing space, if you will. But he, for him and for their church, uh, they have over the years been in a similar position to us financially, actually far worse than us, far, far worse. Oh, my goodness. Yet the minister before him always said, I've never been without, we've never not paid church bills, God is always faithful. And apparently people in their journey, churches in their journey in Ballarat have helped them. And he goes, he goes previous to my stay here, someone had done all the hard work and someone had been blessed over and over and over again. And now that we're here, we want to do the same. And so for me, we're a recipient of their grace and their goodness and kindness, but we're a recipient because we brought it to the Lord in fasting and prayer. That's what I firmly believe. I don't think it's a point of embarrassment. I think it's a point of rejoicing. It shows how much God cares for us as individuals, but also for our house. Amen? So I think that's a good thing that we should give God glory for. Anyway, so having said that, we should get into a word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, we thank you for the rain. We do ask God for a bit more warm weather would be nice. Uh, but outside of that, you are always good, whether it's raining, whether it's the sun shining, whether it's a, a stinking hot day or a freezing cold day. You are always God. You are always on your throne. Regardless of where we're happy or sad, you are always in control of our life. Lord, you always care for us. And so this day we come before you as children with open hearts, Lord, wanting to get closer to you, experience you more, encounter you more, Father, that we just might sit in the goodness of your embrace, that we might sit in the warmth of your hug, Lord, just knowing how, how loved that we are. And so we thank you. We thank you for these moments. We thank you for this family. We thank you for this house. Father, we pray for other churches that are meeting, Lord, around this country and around Ballarat today. And we ask you to bless and anoint and move in great power and might through their services, that people's lives would be changed, that people would discover your son Jesus for the very first time. Lord, that they would embrace you, Father, we pray for Ballarat. We pray, God, over and over and with more and more intent that we would see more and more people discover Jesus, that we would see more and more people, Father, move and walk in, with the family of God. Lord, that they would discover how loved that they are by the people of God. And so, Lord, we long to see our seats filled, Lord, not just in this church, but in every church. Lord, that the Christian voice would be a loud voice, that it would have an influence upon the city that we live in. And Lord, an influence in our state and an influence in our country. We thank you that we can call yourself your children. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So um, I thought I'd, I'd continue on a really happy note. And last week we were talking about wilderness and the, <laughs> the wilderness experience and that often a wilderness experience, things that we go through, times that are of struggle, uh, are sometimes led by the Lord. They're not always bad. Bad things, actually bad things that we go through, times of struggle, those seasons aren't always evil. 
Sometimes they're actually led by God himself. Because if you remember in Luke 4.1, we looked at last week, that God actually, God's spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness that he was then tempted by the enemy for 40 days. So if Father God would lead his son into the wilderness, why do we think that we would be exempted from that? Why would we think that? I figure if it's a good enough for the Son of God, that it's good enough for the sons and daughters of God. Amen? Yeah? I mean, it's a pretty clear scripture in Luke 4 where it says, And Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and he was led um, by the Spirit in the wilderness. You know, it's very clear that the word Spirit there is, is God. It's wind, breath, Spirit. It's God's breath, God's Spirit. And so when Jesus was led into the wilderness by his Father, I think you and I need to realize that just because he was God, he was God-man, it wasn't a walk in the park for him. It was really difficult for Jesus. And particularly, he decided he would fast 40 days. He found himself in the wilderness and, and decides, I'm going to fast for breakthrough during this time. You know, He was tempted by the enemy. And God led him. Like It's just mind-blowing to think that God led him to a place where he'd be tempted. Um, and I said last week, and I'll continue to say today that the wilderness, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, it's never to break us. It's never to break us. It's never to break us. But God often uses these times, experiences, and these journeys to make us. Yeah, because he's trying to make us and shape us more and more into the image of his son, Jesus. And I think that's a pretty good thing. I know now that even as average as I, I am as a dad, I know I'm better now than what I was because every day I'm growing, yeah? So in everything that we do, we actually grow into that. We get better at that with experience and maturity. Now, our faith isn't about the longevity of the journey, but as we move with the Lord, we're being transformed into the image of his son, yeah? And so he uses moments to make us more and more into the image of Jesus. And as we become more in the image of Jesus, our Christianity just seems to flow better than before. We're wiser than before. We have more faith than before, yeah? yeah so he grows us in the wilderness. He grows us there. We become more like Jesus. And again, I just I keep underlying a couple of thoughts because I need us to take it away, and particularly because we sang a song today, He's a Good, Good Father. Not every bad thing we go through is evil. Not every difficult situation we go through is, it's, is evil. It's tough, yes, it was tough for Jesus. It's hard, yes, it was hard for him. But when it's led by God, no matter how difficult it is, it's a good thing because his intent is always good. He's always a good, good father. Yeah? We feed our children vegetables. How many parents, grandparents, how many of yourselves as individuals, as young people, hated vegetables or know young people that hate vegetables and won't eat them? I know a whole family whose kids won't eat greens, but we make them eat greens. Not because we hate them, because we know it's better for them. Yeah, and the wilderness, really, for a poor analogy, the wilderness is that. We may not like it, we might despise it, we may hate it at times, but the intent is never evil. It's for our good. It's always for our good. It's to grow us. It's to make us, not to break us. And I think it's important with the wilderness and... What I want to, 
What I want to get across to us all is we sing songs like Good, Good Father. Yeah, let me go off script for a minute. We sing songs like Good, Good Father, and and they're singing them all over the world, and it's a beautiful song. It's probably one of my favorite songs because it captures the heart of God. But we sing that, and so we automatically think that everything that God does is good by our perspective. Yeah? But God's ways are not our ways, yeah? Job is not a poem. I said it last week. He's a real person. That's why he's referenced to in the Old Testament, along with Abraham and Daniel and others. That's why he's referenced to in the New Testament. He's real and he was tested and he was allowed to be tested by God. Not every bad thing that we go through is evil. Sometimes it's to make us. The fact that we don't understand it makes no difference. The fact that our kids hate broccoli or Brussels sprouts, like really, that they must have come from the fall. They must have been a weed. Anyway, so they are a weed, see? Now, the fact that we don't like them doesn't make them wrong. The fact that our parents suggest that we eat them doesn't make it evil. It's for our good. And we've got to stop looking at what happens in our life with our lens and our perspective. We've got to learn to see how God sees. Because when we learn to see how he sees, we'll actually start to realize that some of the stuff that we don't like that we're going through is actually led by him to make us, yeah, not to break us. It's to make us. Just because we don't like it doesn't make it wrong. Just because it's tough and it goes against our common sense doesn't make it wrong. Scripture's really clear uh, about that. And it's important that we understand what our wilderness can look like. And I had it in the Logos this week at the front. Do yourself a favour if you can and grab yourself a a, a copy. Because if we know what a wilderness can be like, then we can pray about it. Then we can fast about it. Then we can go before the Lord and say, is this a place that you've led me into or is it my stupidity that's got me here? Yeah? Or is it just the world? Or is it really just the enemy? Or is this you because you're trying to do something in me? Yeah. But a wilderness can look like this. It's a place of wandering aimlessly because that's what happened with the Israelites. Yeah? Wandered aimlessly for 40 years. Like You feel like you're getting nowhere. Anyone ever felt that? You know, you're just getting nowhere. Your finances, you're so frustrated because you feel like getting nowhere. It feels like the conversation is all about, always about what you can't pay or what you don't have. Maybe you've never been there. I keep praying that God bring that multimillionaire into the church in Jesus' name. You know, there's a part of Mel's family. She's not here. Good. Oh, she's back. Sad. Um, in Queensland, I wish they were in Victoria. They're, they're not. There's no faith there at all. They are not church people. They don't believe in Jesus. Mel got to speak to a cousin by chance, but they're just not believers. But they are stinkingly filthy rich. Like, I'm not talking about a couple of hundred thousand. We're talking millions upon millions of dollars. Jeez, I would love them to come to the Lord, move to Victoria and live in Ballarat, come to our church. I know I'm not asking too much, but it would be really nice if we could win them for their souls, not for their money. Right? But, you know, I know I'm the only one who thinks that. You know, a wilderness can be a place of hunger and thirst where there's just, you feel like there's no provision, yeah? A wilderness can be a place of isolation. There's no companionship, no friendship. You feel like you have no support. And if we're all, to be totally honest, even those of us who are married, there are moments in life where we just feel alone yeah in fact mel and i watched 
a, a brilliant movie yesterday. At last, a movie I can share about that it won't offend anyone. Thank you, God. Um, and it's, it's called The Green Book. You know, it's based on a true story. It is a good movie, isn't it? Phenomenal movie. And in it, there's this, this pianist, a, um, a black pianist, and he's just renowned, you know? So there's books and stuff that's written on him. But during the, 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 the movie, the story, his life story, part of the core, crux of the movie is that in all the fame and affirmation, he was just alone. He was alone. And often we can have stuff in life that looks perfect, that we feel like God is blessing us, but sometimes the wilderness in our life might be that we just feel isolated and alone. Yeah, things don't have to be crumbling to feel that way, yeah? You know, a wilderness can be a place of sorrow, a place of defeat where there's no joy, no victory. You know, you wake up in the morning and you just want to stay under the covers, not because it's cold, but just because you're sad, yeah? It's just more comfortable there, yeah? It could be a place of pressure where it feels like there's no peace or no relief. It could be a place of hopelessness where there's, you just look out and you think, there's no hope for me, there's no future prospects here. But a wilderness is so much more than that. Because our God does and will make, I use the wording, a spectacular way of deliverance and blessing for his chosen people. And you and I, where is chosen people? You know, Mel said it so well when she was up here this morning. You know, she was just saying that he's our foundation. He's our life. He's our bedrock. Yeah. He, he is all of that because we are his. We're his chosen people. He's chosen you and I. You know, it says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people. That's like going into a shop and looking at all the array of cakes and saying, I'll have the Peruvian love cake. There is such a thing at the Ethiopian cafe restaurant. Anyway, the point is that you choose something out of the multitude of things and you and I are chosen by God. It's not a willy-nilly, I just, well, everybody, though it is, but God is, God is individual while he is, he, he's, I don't know, general. He loves everybody, but he loves you. It's the oxymoron of faith. He loves you all equally, but he loves you the best. Loves me the best, but he loves us all the same. It's, it's the understanding that we need to have that he loves me so much that I am the apple of his eye. You're good, but I'm better. But then he looks at us and thinks you're all the same. But I, that's how much he loves us that we can feel like that. Imagine being able to love your children, whether you've got two or three or four or five, that though you love them all equally, each one feels as though I am mum and dad's favourite. That's what it's like with God, yeah? That's what it's like with Papa. We're his chosen people. And so today, us, some of us are actually entering a wilderness. Some of you know that you're about to enter into a wilderness. Some of you probably feel after the fast or even, even before that, that you've walked out of a wilderness. Some of you may, if, you know, some of us actually might feel as though we're stuck in a wilderness, that we're prisoners there. But I can't help but... Remind us of last week. Though we feel at times that we're in a place where we can't get out, where the doors are locked and the windows are locked, yeah, he can still get in. Suddenly, the suddenlies of God, he can still get in. You know, I want to keep fleshing out this thought that not every wilderness is evil, not every difficult situation is from the enemy. We've got to understand that he's a good, good father all the time. 
Regardless of what we humanly think, we so mix the two up like that, and then we get all this weird doctrine and theology around the world. You know, God is still holy, He's still just. He says, Here's my kingdom, it's yours if you believe in my son, but we don't believe in your son. Oh, that's your choice. Oh, good God would po- couldn't possibly do that. But he didn't do that. You did it. You chose not to believe in Jesus. How can you choose not to believe in Jesus and still want to walk into the kingdom of God? He's always good. Yeah, always good. But we sing songs like Good, Good Father and people go, no, a good God would never do that. He's still holy. He's still just. He sits on a throne of holiness. The rivers are holy. Everything about him is holy. It's pure. Yeah? He's good all the time. So we've got to understand how he sees and how he works in our lives. That was a good intro. I should start the message now. Exodus 13, 17. Exodus 13, 17. Go with me. I really, I really love this. Because Ross and I, and even with my wife, we often talk about the oxymorons of faith. You know, what, things that seem op- opposite but are the same. Yeah, because he uses both. I want to jump into some of that this morning just to confuse you before you leave so we can all grow in the Lord. So it, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though, you ready for it? That was the shortest route. So God himself, like he led Jesus into the wilderness, God himself goes, uh-uh. That's short. You're not going that way. I'm sending you that way. It's 11 days this way. It's 40 years that way. Off you go, right? But he's a good God all the time, yeah? We, we don't have a problem with some of this, that those of us that know the story, because we know the outcome. But for those that are in the middle of it, yeah, it wasn't sweet, yeah? 11 days this way was much better. To go through the Philistine country 11 days was much better. 40 years going to, towards the water. Yeah, 40 years that way. Wouldn't have been their choice. That was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God didn't let his children go the short way because yeah, he knew. He knew that if they were going to face a battle that they weren't ready for, to enter the promised land, if they were going to face a battle too early, one that they just weren't prepared for, yeah, they just might turn around and walk back the other way. So rather than allow them to take the short path and face a battle that they're not ready for, he takes them on a 40-year journey. 11 days, maybe 12, verses 40. He knew that in going this way, there was going to be a battle that they had to face. And that battle, he knew as God that they're not ready for that. If they go and face that battle now, they're going to turn away from the destiny I have for them. They're going to turn away from the promises that I've laid out for their lives. They're going to turn away and never fulfill the call of stepping into their promised land. They are going to turn away because they're not ready for the battle. So he sends them a different way, a longer way. Who's ever thought this? I wonder when I'll get to experience an encounter 
the things of God, the stuff that I've heard that Andrew and others speak about, I wonder when I'm finally going to experience that. No one? Just me. must be me when I go to conferences and that, thinking, oh, I love their testimonies. I want that to be mine with God. Sometimes we're just hanging out to experience the stuff about God that we hear about. Yeah, because we know it's true, but we've just never really experienced it. And the longer that takes, the more faith is required to hold on to that truth. And that's where faith wanes, because we're hearing that God's like this, but we're experiencing this. And now after a week and two years and five years, it's like, I don't know if he's like that at all. I know that's what others have said. I wonder when it's going to be my... God still knows if you can't face that battle and if it's going to cause you to lose your destiny, it's better that you walk this way. Yeah, It's better to walk the long way. See, if we get, if we're heading for our promise, if we get there before his time and face a battle before our time, we're going to forfeit our destiny. Yeah, You've got to get that. We will forfeit it. I don't like where I'm at. I hate it. You go that way. You can see it. You're going to forfeit your destiny because there's a battle waiting for you that you're not ready for. Yeah. Think about the garden with Adam. Adam had everything, but he wasn't ready for the battle that he had to face. And when it was presented to him, he had everything that God said. He capitulated, yeah, didn't he? He crumbled. Eve got the better of him and he walked the other way and forgot all that God had said and he really let go of his destiny, let go of the promise because he was fighting a battle that he wasn't yet ready for. You know, how many of us have whinged and complained and asked God why we're going through what we're going through? Maybe we're going through it because he knows if we go that way, we're not ready for the battle that we're going to face and he would rather send us this way so that we can grab hold of our purpose and our destiny, yeah, rather than lose it because we get there too early before we're ready. Now, we're going to turn around and walk away from the promise that he intended for us if we're not ready. So he sends us this way. In the wilderness, I keep saying, it's never to break us, it's to make us. The wilderness is all about growing us. It's all about growing us. He's always a good, good father. You know, sometimes it's just that we're not ready to fight the battles that need to be fought. So he uses a wilderness. He uses a wilderness to teach us because God is good all the time. Yes, he's love and we live by love and through love and we dispense love to everybody. That is so true. That's the gospel. But in the gospel, in Christianity, there's a fight. There's always a fight. There's a spiritual fight. That's why Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, doesn't he? In chapter 6, verse 12. And, and there's a fight for our souls. Isn't the enemy, in John 10.10, 10, the enemy wants to rob us, wants to steal from us, our faith wants to destroy us. The, he's always a good God, but spiritually there's a fight. The kingdom of heaven is taken by force and the violent take, you know, grab hold of it. What that passage of Scripture means is those that are hungry for what God have grab hold of it. Yeah? It's not talking about violence as such, but when you really want something, you go after it. And if you want the kingdom of God, you go after it and you, you grab hold of it tenaciously and you fight for it. 
because it's the best for you. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted. Christianity is not this. It's just not. I know that's the impression we get because some of the awesome worship songs that we sing, but the worship songs are always about heart. Nor is about God seeing how he sees, understanding his ways, not getting him to understand what we want in our ways. Christianity's not for the faint-hearted. Ask those that are missionaries in countries where they lose their lives. Yeah? Yet God is always good. And we are his children. Yeah? So Father God, Abba, needs to prepare us for what lays before us. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's ahead. He actually knows what's ahead. Didn't we sing it? Yeah, there was the line, he knows, he knows, he knows. Where's that line of that song, Ross? I'm looking at your words. Yeah, that's the one. See, thank you. We sang it. He knows it. He absolutely knows what we need. And so when we're not ready for the fight that's coming, he's going to lead us into a wilderness to teach us. But we don't like the wilderness. Tough. Where did he lead the Israelites? He didn't take the short path. He took the long path. Exodus 13, verse 18. So God led them in a roundabout way through what? The wilderness. He led the Israelites through a wilderness to prepare them for the battle that they weren't yet ready to fight. He was getting them ready. And he's often getting us ready. He's getting us ready to fight the battles. And the battle could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be what the world says. It could be a misunderstanding of our true identity. I don't know what your battle is. I know what mine are. Because I know when I'm failing. I know when I feel like Rocky Balboa and I'm down for the count. But I just want to get up. Got to get up by the count of ten. Jesus fell under the weight of the cross. Kept getting up. Kept getting up. He's getting us ready for the battle that lays ahead. He's making us. He's not breaking us. You know, he's using what we can find a struggle. He's using what we can end up hating. He's using what at times we despise. He's using what we often don't understand. Yeah? The wandering aimlessly, the hunger and thirst, the isolation, the sorrow and defeat, all of those things, the pressure, the hopelessness. He's using that to teach us something because not everything that we go through is evil. It's to grow us and to make us. Just need to see the intent. The heart of our God, amen? It's not always nice there, but he's getting you ready. He's getting me ready. He's getting us ready to possess our promised land. It's time to see how Papa sees. He's getting us ready to fight the battle that, we're, that we weren't ready for. That's why we find ourselves in these places at times. And so for those of you that feel like you're walking out of your wilderness experience, get ready. You thought that was, a, that was tough? Your promised land now is just ahead, but he's just used all of that to prepare you for a fight that's ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the encouraging message, Pastor. That's awesome! <laughs> but now you're ready. 
Take consolation in that. No matter what you're about to walk into, after walking through that, you're now ready. You have everything you need to win that battle, to step into your purpose and your destiny and your promised land. Everything you need. Because you've been through the wilderness that you hated, but in that, he made you. He grew you. You're more now like Jesus than at any other time in the history of your faith. It's so hard at times because Isaiah 55, 8, 9, when we try to make sense of it, it sometimes makes no sense. Because that says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. And I, I just wish some people would remember this. So are my ways higher than your ways. Stop, 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 stop using your perspective on what you're going through. It's not going to match up to God's. It just will not do that, yeah? He will never let us go through what we can't bear. You know, we looked at a scripture last week in 1 Corinthians 10, not 1, but that was my mistake. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. If you're in the middle of a wilderness, if we are in the middle of a wilderness, just know that he's actually there. And what you're going through, he knows what you can bear. If he didn't think you could bear the season that you're in, you wouldn't be in it. That's for someone today. Yeah? If he didn't think you could bear the season that you're in, you wouldn't be in it. And he will make a way out. He will make a way out. He will make a way out. You don't have a call, a choice. It's him. He's going to do it. He's going to provide something. It might not look the way that you thought. You know, it might look totally different. But he's going to make a way out. So when he leads you in to make you, he's also going to lead you out. After he's grown you, yeah? You know, some of you are probably thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind having out now. Out now would be good. <laughs> I have moments when I go, out now, I want out now. You know, I had a moment last week, and, and I share stuff because my old pastor used to say that we're all from the same address, yeah? And uh, I don't ascribe to the fact that I, you know, like some places where they have the green room and the green chair and the pastor's all elevated, what I do believe and what we share as a church and in our, amongst our eldership and board and amongst the church leaders is that, yes, I may, may be the pastor and the leader, but I'm a leader amongst equals, which means I go through stuff the same way that you go through stuff and sometimes you need to know the stuff that I go through so that you're comfortable think, knowing that you're on the right path. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I was having a moment last week and Mel goes, oh, hon, you just need to give it to the Lord. <laughs> you had anyone ever say that to you? Don't you want to punch him out? Now, I would never want to do that to my lovely wife. But it was like, she goes, you just need to be, you know, hon, like I have, you just need to be able to give it to him, you know. Just give it to him and he'll take it and you won't be so burdened. Really just, really, really just like that. 
He goes, she goes, God's got it. He's just got it, honey. He's got it. I'll go, well, if he's got it, the bills will be paid. There'll be money in the bank. There'll be bums on seats. My car wouldn't break down. And I had this list of stuff, right? And I just had a moment where, if you could imagine in my mind, in my office, I was going, ah! Right? I was just having this meltdown for a moment. Because sometimes the wilderness is to make us. It's to break us even when we don't understand it because we're looking. We've got to to stop it, stop looking the way that we would look at things. What's God doing? Why has he sent me the long way? Why does he have me in the wilderness? What battle is he preparing me for? (laughs) He leads us into the desert, taking a longer road. Because we're not ready for the battle. Okay. Here's the oxymoron time. <laughs> Judges 3, 1 to 2. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of Israel who had not previously had battle experience. So what does that mean? It means when we're not ready for battle... He will lead us into a wilderness to teach us, to get us ready so that we don't forfeit the promise and destiny that lays before us. But some battles, but some battles, but some battles, he leaves. He leaves. These are the nations the Lord left. Some battles we have to fight. Some battles we have to fight. The Lord has left them there. He did not remove them. Israelites had a battle. I don't want them to face that battle because they could turn away from their destiny. I'm going to get them to go this way. We get to Exodus and it tells us really clearly, I left some of these things here to teach them how to battle. How does that work? I thought you said he was going to take me to my wilderness if there was a battle I wasn't ready for. But now you're telling me if there's a battle I'm not ready for, he left it there so I could be ready and learn how to fight. Because in the eyes of God, they're both right. He's good all the time. It's not either or, it's and. They're both the same. Ephesians 6.12, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. There are some things that he has left for us to battle, battle fights that we have to fight, even when he hasn't taken us into the wilderness. I know it doesn't make sense, because he leads us into a wilderness because we're not ready to fight. And now I have the audacity to suggest that he leaves some of the battles there so you can learn how to fight. Will you make up your mind, pastor? But that's the oxymoron. So we need to understand this (laughs) and then we're going to pray. And we sang. We sang. Oh my goodness, the... There were two songs this morning that were so prophetic in leading. During Good Good Father, we sang the words, and you know what we need, before we even say a word, yeah? See, God knows who's ready to face the battle that he's left behind. And God knows who's at breaking point 
that he needs to send through the wilderness. God's good all the time. He's good all the time. Just because you, you've got to face a battle and your friend's going through a wilderness doesn't mean that he loves one more than the other. And just because you're going through wilderness and you've been there and you don't understand why or how, you don't get how long you've been here for, but someone else seems to be fulfilling and almost grabbing the promise ahead of them, but they've fought some battle. God loves you both the same. He knows who's ready. And he knows who's at breaking point. We just need to... Let the, our perspective fall away so we can grab hold of the way that he sees things and the way that he does things, knowing that he's good all the time. He knows who needs the wilderness and he knows who can fight right now. And he does all of that, yeah? All of that is to make us, not to break us. All of that is to teach us something. All of that is so that we can learn to obey him and to trust him. So many people don't like the word obey when it comes to God. Yes, he's father. Yes, he's Abba. Yes, he is Papa. But he's also God. He's King. He's Messiah. He's Lord. He's Master. He's also scripturally all of those things. So he uses those things to teach us to trust him so that we would obey him. I long for my kids to obey me all the time. Not because I want to lord it over them, but because I know what's good for them. God wants us to obey, not because he wants puppets on a string. It's because he knows what's good for us. You know, if we keep reading Judges chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, it says the five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidians, or how you pronounce it, the Hivites, living in the Lebanon mountains from Mount Baal Hamon to Lebo Hamath, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands. Some of the battles that we are facing, some of the battles that you have faced are to see whether you will obey his commands. In other words, will you trust him or will you revert to your thinking, to what you think's right? Will you trust him? The thing with Father God is he's good. And if we will obey him, it always works out for good. It never actually fails. Didn't even fail for Job. At the end, look at the outcome. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. He leaves some battles for you to fight. He sends you through the wilderness because you're not ready for the battle all the while trying to make you, not to break you, to grow you, to teach you to trust him so that we would learn to obey and experience the purposes that he has for our life. Amen? Why don't we stand, please? So God knows who's ready. And God knows who's at breaking point. He knows who, who knows, he knows, he knows who needs the wilderness. And he knows who can fight now. We just have to trust him. Can I ask everyone just for a moment to close your eyes? We're just going to pray. And we're going to pray as a family. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to hold hands. And if you're sitting on your own, <laughs> there aren't many of you, but if you are, I'm going to ask you to 
jump next to someone and hold their hand. Because what we want to pray for today, together as a family, we want to pray for people that we, for those that want to see and understand the season that we're in. If you're not understanding why you're at, if you're not understanding why you're in a wilderness and why you feel like you're trapped there, if you, you feel like you're always fighting battles but you don't get it, you know, you know that God's got a promise for it, we want to pray for some insight into that, yeah? You know, Mel and I have decided that we would keep fasting. So the 21-day fast is finished, but we're going to go through to day 40. Um, I don't think I'll continue with a full fast, but um, the plan is for us a Daniel fast because we want to continue to see breakthroughs in our church, but also in the lives of the men and women, the families in our church. Yeah? You know, we're going to pray in a moment for people that want Papa to teach them how to fight the good fight. He teaches it. Yeah, He teaches it. Maybe you can learn through those that are around you that have been fighting the good fight. Often for me, my answers come in the counsel of many. Yeah, We're never meant to do life alone. And we're going to pray that all of us, all of us that are here today and those that will end up listening on the podcast that aren't here, that all of us are ready for the plans and purposes that he has planned, yes, for us as individuals, but what, what he has in store for us here as a family at Mount Clear Church of Christ. Yeah? There's a reason that we have seasons of wilderness because we're not ready for the fight. But as we start to see the breakthrough of that, then there's something that's coming. Yeah? So grab someone's hand. Quick. Grab someone's hand. Don't let anyone be by themselves. All right. There's a couple of people by themselves. Quick move. We're a family. I'm sorry. If anyone's got sweaty palms, take it up with them. I apologize for that in advance. Yeah? But, 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 we're going to pray. Amen? Together we're going to pray. You ready? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. Father, we thank you that we don't always understand where you lead us or what you do, God. I'm, Lord, on behalf of our church as individuals, Lord, I want to repent and say sorry for the times that we've placed our perspective on what we were going through. Lord, that we've placed the way that we see things and expect things. Lord, Lord and, and instead of understanding what you're doing and what, what's at play, Father, I thank you that you're always growing us, that you're making us, not breaking us. I thank you, Lord, that you send us sometimes on a long path to teach us how to fight ready for battle. Father, I thank you for those of us that you've trusted at times to fight the battle that was before us. But either way, God, you know who's ready. Lord, you know who's at breaking point. Father, you know what we need before we even say a word. And so, Lord God, this day, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see the season that we're in. Father, give us an understanding with every step that we take. I pray, Lord, that Lord, people will start to have dreams and visions, God. Dreams and visions for their own life, but also for the life of this house, for Mount Clear Church of Christ. Lord, that they would see things that would speak into the prophetic destiny of our church. God, I thank you that as a people and as a church, we're the head and not the tail. I 
thank you that you have a purpose for us here at 1185 Geelong Road. And I pray, God, that would become clearer and clearer as each day turns into evening and each evening into day. Father, be with us all. Give us the strength that we need. I thank you, God, for those that have been in such a wilderness and journey that they can't cope. Lord, this day we speak life because you're only there because God knows that you can bear it. You're only there because God knows you, that, that you can. And this day we pray for your strength. And God, you promise that you'll make a way, God, where there is no way. Make a way today that we pray that we would be a victorious people, a light on the hill, God, the salt of the earth, that your name would be glorified across our city, across Ballarat and across our state and nation, that you would be made famous. I pray, God, that you would draw people to this place, Lord, where they can discover the love of your son and be transformed and, Lord, become your children, Lord, and, and made into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Father, I thank you for us all. Continue to prepare us in our hearts and in our lives that we can be the best us for those around us. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Keep that in mind. Have a great Sunday, but know the season that you're in, yeah? You could be